Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Just a Psalm 36 celebrating creation. A prayer, a praise. But in that little word there, it says, you give them drink from the river of your delights. Did you know that word is actually in Hebrew, Eden? So welcome each time we celebrate this communion service. We drink from the river of life. We're in that place of great desire in harmony with our God. What a beautiful way to come to this last session in Genesis. So thank you for those online. I'm trusting you too were able to have that quiet moment of celebration with the Lord in that little abundance feast. You know, at the beginning, well, sometime this year, the year's gone, I don't know when it was, but earlier on in the year, <laughs> I had the privilege of going to Darwin with a group of people. I'd never been north to the, of Australia before. I'd been to so many countries, probably about 37, 38 countries in my life, but I'd never been to the north or the inner part of Australia. And I got there and it was like being in a foreign land. Why? Because it was hot. <laughs> it was humid and it was like a tropical country. But the very first day, we hopped on a bus tour to give us a tour of the city highlights, to tell us a little bit of the history, the culture, the background that made Darwin, Darwin. It was only about three hours, and uh, I went back, but we sat down and wrote down the names of the places we would like to look in detail. Such was that little highlight and overall picture that I'm ready to go back, but not in summer. And look at some of those other places. And I came away with one word for Darwin. I thought it's a city of survival. So in a way, that's what we've been doing in the book of Genesis. It's been like a bus tour, a guided tour. Some of you online have had to do it virtually, but we've sat in here on the bus together, and we've just looked at some of the overall pictures, some of the big picture stuff, some of the culture, some of the background, some of the difficulty with us understanding and entering a world that is so different from ours. And yet we've met the God. <laughs> Last time the hoops come to church. <laughs> uh, and I forgot them today, and someone kindly went and got them for me. Heaven and earth meet 
And we've met this morning in our communion service, in our singing. That's the story. And it's the story of brokenness. It's the story of God coming and giving purpose and and promise. And last week we looked at the presence of God, God coming down into Jacob's dream. And we've looked and seen that basically it points forward to Jesus. But we've got one last highlight of our tour. This may be the sunlight cruise, I don't know, but never mind, we'll see how we go. Welcome to this last one on Genesis. And you can breathe and sit back, but hopefully you've been invited to look at some of the deeper stories of uh, God's work and God's story in Genesis. But you don't have to hear from me for a long time, so you can look forward to others. We've talked about God's desire being for us. God's desire for you, for me. A desire for mutual love. A desire for us to enjoy life and not just endure life. We've talked and over and over again about a good God, wholesome, harmonious, a God of greatness who does things well, who gave us a good place to live and to be present with us so that we could be a flourishing people, living well, living good lives together. He committed to us a commandment Go into all of the world and flourish and be rulers of this world together in partnership with God so that we all can live a flourishing life. Well, we looked at Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. They're called patriarchs. And uh, we learned that they didn't really live up to their promises We've discovered that they made successes and blunders. We've looked at their journeys of growth. Last week, I asked you to see if during the week you could reflect on one of those moments in your life when God, heaven, came down and filled you or touched you. Did you reflect on one? Okay, you reflected there. Hopefully, you've shared that moment with someone. So because God's story is there, we have these moments. Now, I don't want to belittle their faith, but I want you to understand this. God does not look for great faith in you, me, Abraham, Jacob, or Isaac. There's no such thing as really great faith. We have a great God who calls us to have faith in him. He even said, even if you've got the tiniest little bit of faith, that's okay, because I'm the biggest God. You got it? So don't worry if you don't match up to someone else's life. Just be encouraged. Little faith. Enough to trust the big God. So today we're going to go into the story of Joseph. And here the narrative takes a different direction with the introduction of Joseph. And we're going to look at God's provision today. God's provision through Joseph. He was the eldest son of the ravishing Rachel. Remember her? Sorry, Rachel. (laughs) You are ravishing. But this is the ravishing Rachel married to Jacob and not Andrew. He was a completely spoiled brat. 
Again, favoritism from the father. He was in a contentious relationship with the siblings. I'm wondering whether Jacob was cheesed off. That word's not in Genesis. Whether <laughs> Jacob was cheesed off because he knew the promise, wasn't, the promise wasn't going to be continued through Joseph. It was through Judah. And he may be getting some of this idea already. So he's out there promoting Joseph. So he's a spoiled brat. He's... Um, siblings hate him, contentious relationship, but he's a pointer to Jesus. And ultimately, he's the culmination of the whole generous, gener Genesis narrative. He's the culmination. He's the finish of the Genes Genesis narrative. Let's read some of the scripture from Genesis 37, which is on the board for you to follow. Joseph, our dreamer. You'd probably, this is probably a well-known story because this musical's written about it, okay? Ah, Jacob settled, the first one to settle in the land, the promised land, where his father had been an alien, a foreigner, the land of Canaan. These were the descendants of Jacob. And so from 37 to 50, you've got the story of the descendants of Jacob. So it's like an introduction to the next part of the book. You've got that? So when you see that in Genesis, these are the generations of, that's the start of a new story. Joseph, being 17 years old, shepherding the flock with his brothers, he was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilphah, his father's wives, his mother's, his wife's mistresses. And Joseph, sorry, his wife's slaves, Joseph brought a bad report to their father. Now Israel, that's Jacob, remember he had his name changed, loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age and of ravishing Rachel. And he made him an ornamental coat or a coat of many colours. The coat that declared that this guy was going to inherit. Okay, you've got that? But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than other, all the other brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him, peaceably to him. Once, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field without tractors. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams. He had another dream and told his brothers, saying, look, I've had another dream. The sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what kind of dream that is this that you've had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow down to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous. Hatred, more hatred, jealousy. Got the movement there? But his father kept the matter in mind. 
I want to suggest that these dreams declare God's intention to move forward his purpose and to fulfill his promise. It's a declaration, if you like, of God's continual presence, not just with Joseph, but for the whole family. However, at this stage, the brothers decide to take control of the promise. They become the gods of their destiny and the gods of the destiny of Joseph and the gods of the destiny of their parents. So they think. They wanted to get rid of the dreamer. I have to go through the story pretty quickly. There's lots of chapters there. But at the end of the story, we know God is working it out for good. The dreams declare God's intention, God's continual presence, not just with Joseph, but for the whole family and for his concern, God's concern for the nations. So it's a story of deceit, grief, loss, pain, and God at work. Joseph was alone with his brothers. They plot to kill him. Thanks to Reuben, the eldest son, the firstborn, he was not killed then, but sold off for 20 pieces of silver to a traveling group of traders who actually then took him to Egypt and sold him on. Brothers have to concoct a story, go back to the father and pretend that an animal killed him. They took that beautiful coat back with blood on. They didn't have DNA testing there, so they couldn't really do much about it. So we read this, and as I read the story, this is, these are some of the highlights that just came through. The Lord was with Joseph when he was sold in, to be a slave. He found favour. He rose to prominence. He was then subtly tempted and refused to be seduced and was wrongly and falsely accused and thrown into prison. And we read, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. The Lord was with Joseph, and with whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. There, the, That's the God narrative in the horrific story of Joseph. From the age of 17 to 30, his life was like this. But all the time... God was there for Joseph. I don't know how God um, interacted with Joseph. It doesn't tell me much. I don't know how Joseph found it possible to remain true to the promises that were told. I have no idea. But eventually, in jail, he has some dreams. And uh, one of the dreams is for a cupbearer and that the cupbearer would be reinstated in Pharaoh's house. And Joseph said to him before he's left, don't forget me, don't forget me. But of course, the cupbearer being very human, just like you and me, he forgot until Pharaoh had dreams. And the cupbearer remembered there was a dreamer and an interpreter of dreamer in prison. So Joseph comes out and he is given that ability through God. Even though Pharaoh says, Joseph, you can do it. Joseph said, no, not me. But God can show you what this dream means. And he had the dream that there was going to be plenty for seven years and then seven years of famine. And so Joseph gained authority over the land of Egypt. 
What a story, eh? What a story. God with him, God not forgetting, and through the planning and the gifting that Joseph had, he was able to fill up the storehouses, bring in the crops, have abundance, and after the seven years, when people suddenly realised that they, they did not have enough, people started going to Egypt. And here we have a picture, if you like, God providing to the nations abundance of food. Now, I don't get the story about selling off land and buying that. I don't know whether it was a, what he was doing there, but God used him. And eventually, up there in Canaan, where Jacob was with the 11 deceitful brothers, it came time that their crops, too, had failed, and they needed to go to Egypt. And it's a complicated story. If you read it, they're going backwards and forwards. Joseph immediately recognises them but he does not yet reveal to them who he is. He needs to look to see what kind of people these brothers had become. And it seems now that the brothers were more concerned about their father than they'd ever been, and incredibly concerned about Jacob, their father's relationship with their younger brother, Benjamin. Eventually, after the backwards and forwards, we find out that Jesus, oh, sorry, Joseph, Joseph tells this story. So let's read the scriptures again. Joseph could no longer control himself before those who stood there. He cried out, send everyone away. No one stayed. Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept so loudly the Egyptians heard it. The household of Jacob heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But the brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they in his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, come closer, come closer. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me ahead to preserve life. For in the famine, for the famine has been in the land these two years, and there's five more to come, in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me into here but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, a lord of his house, and ruler over the land of Egypt. Joseph elevated to a high position and able to plan and provide. He carried God's narrative forward. Have you got that? Carried it forward. Here we have Joseph as appointed to Jesus. More about that in a minute. Through Joseph, the family is now reconciled, and we have a micro picture of blessing. And for the first time, we are introduced to the concept of forgiveness. More about that in a minute. Uh, they came into the land. They were fruitful. They grew. They uh, became popular. They had the abundance. Pharaoh gave them everything. Here is my question for you. Is there a relationship between forgiveness and reconciliation? Because they weren't in the land too long before Jacob 
died. And Jacob wanted his body to be taken back and buried in Canaan. And it was taken and buried in that uh, tomb that Abraham had bought a long time ago for Sarah. And now they come back and they're scared stiff, absolutely scared stiff, because they didn't understand forgiveness. And so they concoct another story and they say, when our father was alive, it was fine, but our father said that you still had to forgive us, even when he died. And this is what Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to harm me, God intended for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and your little ones. Forgiveness demands acceptance of forgiveness so that we don't live in the horror of the sin being shown up again. Have you got that? If you have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, if you confessed your sins and forgiven, you don't have to worry about the revelation of that ever harming you. People might not like it if the truth came out, but God has forgiven you, and true reconciliation can happen. It takes two, okay, to receive it and to live in it. Most people confess their sin very quickly and don't hang around long enough to receive it and to know that I don't have to live in guilt, condemnation and fear and shame that someone will find out because God has forgiven us. And when we see Jesus face to face again, we don't have to be ashamed. We are forgiven. I want to just go on to Genesis Finishes with famous words spoken by Jacob where he reiterates the story. And he says, when you get to Canaan, take my bones with you. What is he saying? You're going back. You're going. He reiterated the promise. When your people, when our people go back, carry my bones. How about that, dying in faith? He reiterated the promise and he spoke in faith that one day this would happen. So these are tangible signs of hope, okay? Tangible signs. It's a taste. So here we have God who had a purpose, gave a promise, lived the presence with us, heaven and earth coming down and providing. And we have that little picture of what Israel was meant to be. You shall be a blessing to other people around you. And through Joseph, others were blessed. You got that? Others were blessed through him. That's a micro picture of what Jesus has done. And so the picture moves forward. And uh, I've got a diagram to put up here. Of course I have. Uh, We started this story with an infinite, eternal God creating time and space, giving a beginning and noticing that there would be end, a creation and a new creation. And on the way, we meet Abraham, Adam and Eve, and a whole lot before we meet Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, and a whole lot of other people along the way called David and all these other people whose names that we don't really know. But you know, the prophets and all of those. And in some of these people, heaven and earth met. And they became carriers of God's story 
in partnership with God. Have you got that? They became carriers of story. So here we have the triune God represented, if you like, as heaven. And all of this points to the fulfillment in Jesus Christ who came down, who died, who became the promise of eternal life. He rose again and the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of God connecting I need my black. People like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and lots of people throughout church history. And here today, Door of Hope community. And we too have, those of us who follow Jesus, know that heaven, through the Spirit of God, meets us, the presence of God. And we are invited to partnership with this God, so that together we can be this multi-ethnic community of faith and take this good news into all the world and make new disciples who know that heaven has come down and glory, the presence of God, the power of God, has filled them. And so here we are for those of us who love our God, for those of us who've invited Jesus into our lives, where we too have known forgiveness and been reconciled, we as a community are invited to partnership with God to produce multi-ethnic communities throughout the world who worship God, who know the desire of God, who delight in God. Doesn't that make you tingle? Doesn't that make it wonderful? You are a partner with God. Come on, make it smile. I'm a partner with God. You're a partner with God. You got it? God in you. Heaven. But there's more to come. We wait. We wait for the new creation. We wait in hope. We had that song. Okay? The song about hope. The anticipation, more to come. And the beautiful thing is, when I read in Revelation chapter 21, look at this, listen to this, close your eyes and see this picture. As John, many, many thousands of years later, says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea passed away, was no more. Just a little side. The sea in the Jewish understanding was a picture of chaos, and they feared the sea. So there's no more fear, no more chaos. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Door of Hope community, those of us who have the beauty of God within, who don't always share the beauty, don't always live the beauty, who sometimes fail like Adam, Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. 
Sometimes we don't get it, but one day we will be that bride, the new Jerusalem. It's us. New heavens, new earth. This is who we are, the bride of Christ, where heaven and earth no longer, no longer separated. This is the finale, and this is the picture that Genesis points us through, this little narrative of God, the God who created, the God who gave promise, the God who presents himself in this world, the God who promises to provide. Jesus is the provision. Take a moment, pause. Do I know this God through Jesus, through the Spirit? Am I prepared to become part of God's story to carry the promise on, to carry Jesus forward into all the world? May God bless you. May God delight you in his word and that this little tour, this bus tour of Genesis, may I invite you to look at some of the highlights. Amen.